Hello, and welcome to Heart Points, a one-to-one RPG actual play podcast. I am your husband and GM, Zach. And I am your wife and player, Diana. And this is Hot Guys Making Out. How are you doing, my darling? I am good. It's back to school season, Mm -hmm. so I'm traumatized. But other than that, I'm fine. It's weird that the babies who who were babies last year Mm -hmm. are not babies this year, Mm -hmm. and there's a whole new set of babies. Kindergartners? Mm -hmm. Straight up start as babies. They look like infants. They look Mm -hmm. like walking tall infants. Mm -hmm. It is bizarro. It's so weird. Because every day you see them, you don't realize how much they're growing. And then you compare first day kindergartners with first day first graders. Because those used to be the kindergartners. And you're like, you grew like four feet. And you can speak in sentences. And you you know your own name now. That's bizarre what is happening. Also, the fifth graders get, like, a complex, and fourth grade girls are still really mean. Like, middle elementary school is terrible, and I hate it all, but the babies are interesting. It's just an interesting human development thing. Well, that's fun. It's something. There's <laughs> – listen, I could do an hour-long podcast about how much I hate my job and how no one knows what my job is and how terrible it is, and it's only the second day of school. But I won't do that. Instead, I'm going to pretend to be a hot guy making out with other hot guys. So let's do it. Let's do it. We are playing... Hawkeye's Making Out. Hawkeye's Making Out. It's a game by P.H. Lee, writing under the name Ben Lehman. It is a game about... Hawkeye's Making Out. Hot Guys Making Out. It is for two to four players, and it's... I would describe this game as anime as fuck, uh, probably. The The art is... And may as fuck. The art goes a long way towards doing that, but also just kind of the general. This game came out well before Starcross. This game was out, I think, when I first got into role playing games in uh, 2012, 8? 2008. I don't know. 2008 sounds right. This game's been out for a long time, but it has a lot of the same sort of uh, ideas that. Uh, Starcrossed would later also in, uh, do. Uh, one of the characters is more active and physical. Another of the characters is more introspective and uh, emotional. And they're both trying to, they both can't be together for some sort of, there's some sort of threat coming between them. Uh, but this game uses a card mechanic to look at the details of scenes and to and to let scenes play out and it's just a really interesting concept that i've wanted to get to the table forever and haven't so i'm excited we're gonna i think hopefully switch up our string of very sad games for no. something a little <laughs> i just know what's instinctually going to happen one of them is going to die no it's gonna be great yeah one of them's gonna die 100 percent. also side note this game is a k-drama oh i can yeah. always connect it to k-dramas but this game is a k-drama so if you're interested in that like i'm super into pasión de los pasiones this which is about like spanish telenovelas this is a K-drama. So I want more creators to create soap operas for me. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. All of them. I want all of the soap operas. Ever. <laughs> That's all I want to do. Is just play people making out with other people. That's it. That's all I want to do. Well, uh, we're going to get started. We're going we're gonna to do that today. I'm so excited. Let's do this, B. get started? All right. Let's do it, B. This is Hot Guys 
making out. Spain, 1937. For nearly a year, the country has been ravaged by vicious civil war between the democratically elected Republicans and the rebel fascist forces of Francisco Franco. Even away from the battle lines, the fascists massacred thousands for suspected political deviance, while increasingly radical Republicans execute aristocrats and clergy as collaborators. Buoyed on both sides by a steady stream of foreign arms and foreign soldiers, the war rages on, leaving ruin and sorrow in its wake. Lost in this sea of violence and chaos, Gonzalo Hidalgo is merely one of the thousands orphaned by the war, and until the one cloudy night when everything changes. A tack-turned man in a dark suit arrives at the orphanage in the middle of the night and whisks the young man away to a remote mountain village in the Pyrenees. The car races through the dark mountain roads, crisscrossing through fascist and republican territories, dodging roadblocks and checkpoints. Pelted by rain and gravel, it finally arrives at a noble house, well-kept and ancient. In front of the house stands a beautiful man, his eyes distant, his mouth frowning slightly. Next to him, a maid holds an umbrella to keep the rain off her master's long, flowing hair. The driver opens Gonzalo's door. Somehow, at this moment, the boy understands that he has arrived at his new home. Does he dare give voice to his feelings? In this remote territory, can he find shelter from the horrors of war? Who is this gorgeous man? And what hidden debt does his family owe Gonzalo's murdered father? Diana. Who would you like to play? Would you like to play Gonsalvo or Honore? Honore? I have no idea. I really don't. So Honore is... We are changing a few things from the text as written. Uh, We're sort of... uh, We're aging down Honore a little bit to... He's about 20... We're going to say he's about 22. He is the recently... He's recently become the head of his household after the mysterious disappearance of his parents, perhaps. And Gonzalo is 18. Let's say he'd aged out of the orphanage about like half a year ago and was because apparently now you age out of orphanages at 18 in 1937 France, Spain. Probably would have been much earlier than that. But in this, and he was a young boy. He won or not a young boy, but like a youth. He 100% was a soldier. Yeah. He was conscripted at 12. Uh, well, he's 18. He, he's, uh, he had, uh... We're just going to gloss over those details. He was an orphan. He was an orphan. He got picked up, but he's 18. That's just what it is. Yeah. And yeah, look, I, I think he, like, he aged out of the orphanage. He was living uh, in, like, the ruins of his home when, uh, Honore's, uh, manservant came and found him and brought him to Honore's noble house. Sure. I'm going to play Gonzalo because it feels the easiest. So that's what I'm doing. You say that. I do. It's all about emotions, though. He's all about emotions. He is all about emotions. And Honore is all about action. Yeah. Still going to play the emotion, man. Okay. So the way the game works is we get a hand of cards. 
And then we play cards to... Do things. To do things. And you have to play a card that is a higher value... Equal or higher. Equal or higher than the last card played. So if the last card played was an 11, there's nothing... like, And you don't have any 11s in your hand, you have to pass. And the next scene starts when everybody is consecutively passed. Yep. passed. Once we have both passed in the same round, scene ends. So Honore in any non-heart action, has to act decisively and effectively, cannot hesitate, express his emotions, or fail. Gonzalvo, in a normal action that's not with a heart, has to describe or express um, his thoughts or feelings with either an internal monologue or with a character dialogue, and I cannot act successfully. So whatever I do, I have to fail at. So we... Uh, oh, and then with any heart card, I can express my emotions or give inner monologue or fail at something. And with my heart cards, I get to do something decisive and successive. The next thing we have to do is decide what threat is facing. Are we playing this by the rules? I don't want to. Okay. The The standard threat is kind of boring. It's like a love triangle threat. It's Maria's jealous of Gonzalo. Yeah, like... Honore's maid is in love with him and jealous of Gonzalo, and that is... It just says jealous. Doesn't necessarily say in love. That is very true. I I don't know. I think I'd be interested in something else. Do you want... If, if you want to play with that one, we can play with that one. Um, I don't necessarily have an idea for a replacement. Uh, I do like the one of Honore's ex-boyfriend has returned and is a Nazi. That's fun. It's like Sound of Music. Yes. Um, Except that was her current boyfriend. So we are going to go with Honore's ex-lover Julio has uh, come or is coming to the mansion and is now a fascist soldier general. He's he's so high ranking. Just make him soldier. I think he. I think he's. I think he's going up the ranks. Major, sergeant. Sergeant feels appropriate. There's people above you and people below you. Right? Is that the order? I don't. I. I don't know. We'll say. Well, Chief. He's a fascist rebel fighter. Okay. I guess it would depend on what branch of the military he's in to find out what his. Well, it's a rebellion, so I don't know what their. I don't know what their military structure was like. Oh, you did a terrible job shuffling. I shuffled so much. You did a terrible job. The car races through the dark mountain roads, crisscrossing through fascist and republican territories, dodging roadblocks and checkpoints. Pelted by rain and gravel, it finally arrives at a noble house, well-kept but ancient. In front of the house stands a beautiful man, his eyes distant, his mouth frowning slightly. Next to him, a maid holds an umbrella to keep the rain off of her master's long, flowing hair. The driver opens Gonzalo's door. Somehow, at that moment, the man understands that he has arrived at his new home. Does he dare give voice to his feelings? In this remote territory, can he find shelter from the horrors of war? Who is this gorgeous mystery man? And what in debt does his family owe Gonzalo's murdered father? Gonzalo thinks, terrified, what is going to happen to me? Honore starts walking down the stairs with Maria, his maid, rushing to keep up the umbrella over Honore's head as he breaches the distance between uh, him uh, and the car, the porch and the car. And when he does, he stands in front of Gonzalo and stares down into his eyes. Gonzalo thinks about how intimidatingly beautiful this man is and how terrified he is. And he tries to look this man in the face, but he can't. The rain patters 
on the umbrella above them, gently. Gonzalo tries to take a deep breath to gather some courage, but he starts to shake, both in his mind and in his body. This game is apparently more difficult than I expected it to be. There is a moment of silence between them. Gonzalo gathers up his courage, looks this man in the face, and says, Hello, I am Gonzalo. Honore's eyes flicker across Gonzalo's, and for a moment his lips tremble, and he goes, I, um, I am, and he stammers and leads off and his eyes move down to the tires of the car. There's a moment of silence between them where all you can hear is the rain. Honore straightens his shoulders, uh, causing Maria to kind of jump up to lift up the umbrella to meet Honore's full height. And the rain seems to form an aura around Honore's head. Um, And he says, It is a pleasure to have you, Gonzalo. I hope that you find my home welcoming. At that moment, another car pulls up to the house. And with that distraction, Gonzalo loses all of his previously mustered courage, looks at the ground, and just feels complete and total terror at this whole situation. As the door to the new car opens, Honore reaches out and grabs Gonzalo's hand and pulls Gonzalo close. And they feel the warmth of each other's hands uh, against the cold of the uh, rain and the dark. And Gonzalo, or Honore, sort of pushes Gonzalo to Maria and says, take him inside. I will handle this. As, as, the, as the door of the other car opens and a man emerges. Do you have any more cards? Nope. So you have to pass, right? Yeah, but I have to describe a scene or I have to... Describe a detail? Yeah, I have to describe a detail or, and I'm thinking. Oh, but the, I just played a king, which is what allowed me to have a moment of physical intimacy with you. But uh, Honori's king also allows him to de-escalate the threat. So, um, but we can... I think that will happen off screen as Gonzalo is being rushed into the house. As Gonzalo is being rushed into the house, the only sounds that can be heard are the rain hitting the car, a door slamming, and footsteps on gravel. Gonzalo turns. uh, uh, I think Gonzalo turns one last time to see a young man, um, probably about Honore's age, step uh, standing in the rain with a fascist uniform on, his car idling, and this man with a broad, pure white smile on his face. As Gonzalo is turning away, his eyes meet Honore's for what feels like an eternity. The rain pours down the shingles of the noble house into the gutters in a sound like a brook. And we end the scene there. We end the scene there. No, aces stay up. 
Uh, I think if I resolve the ace, it goes back in. So I was actually wrong. I cannot de-escalate a threat that was played on the same scene, which means that I played another threat, which means we now have two threats on the table, which means that the threat is clearly apparent and can directly menace one character. That feels more appropriate, though, I think. I think so, too. Well, I was going to make him go away for now, but it sounds like he is at the house to stay. I mean, we'll just murder him, and then that'll be the end of the game. It's totally fine. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can bring myself to marry Julio. I didn't say marry. I said murder. I meant murder. Oh. I mean, I'm definitely not going to marry Julio. But I don't know if I can bring myself to murder him. You? I believe I always go first. Shuffle the card. Yes, you always go first. Uh, but we can talk, We can discuss ourselves where we want the next scene to take place. Do you have an idea for a scene? Perhaps around food. Since he now has two guests in his house. Mm-hmm. Food is always good. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do uh, breakfast the next morning? Do you want to do dinner? Was it like, how late was it? Was it late I at ima- night? I imagined it was late. Yeah, I like breakfast the next morning. Everybody slept in their own beds, presumably. Uh-huh. Breakfast the next morning. All right. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is a seven. That's what I had. Um, as Gonzalvo is left to his own devices... He attempts to find the kitchen and ends up finding the dining room. But the entire time that he was walking around this house and and when he walked into this dining room, he was terrified that someone was going to scream at him about why he wasn't working or, or why he was there in the first place. And so when he walked into this dining room, he was shaking and his mind was racing. As he walks into the dining room, he sees the room uh, laid out with many fine food. Uh, And sitting there is the blonde man in his fascist uniform, speaking with Olivier, the butler, the manservant, who does not seem very happy at all. Gonzalvo attempts another fortifying breath but really just takes in a shaky breath and attempts to step into the dining room but his foot just kind of hovers his mind racing about whether or not he should enter this room suddenly he feels a hand at his back and it is honore who uh looks down at gonzalo and offers a very slight Smile so slight that Gonzalo could miss it if he wasn't paying close attention. And Honore leads Gonzalo into the dining room to his chair and gives a curt nod to Julio and says, I trust that you both slept well last night. Gonzalo sits next to Honore and finally succeeds in taking that fortifying breath, looks at Honore in the face and answers in what he thinks sounds very confident. Yes, I did sleep well last night. Thank you. Julio scoffs and says, so I see you are taking upon projects, Honore, scooping up street rats to rehabilitate them. All of the mustard that Gonzalo had gathered is immediately depleted. His gaze immediately falls to the table 
and he begins to wonder if that's exactly what happened. The room is filled with silence and the smell of the slowly cooling food. And they all continue to just look at each other. And that technically ends it, because we both passed. Ah, shit, you're right. That's why I gave you a sad look. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, dang it. Okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. Holy, oh, a dick. <laughs> so that's the danger in, like, passing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have any more cards that I could play. Yeah. That was it. That was my That was my last card. I mean, you're the one making him a dick. Well, I mean, he's a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. He is not only... But he could be a... He could be, like, a serial killer fascist. You know, the, the kind that trick you? Oh, I see. You know what I mean? Like a real uh, shit, the... Ted Bundy? Well, I was going to say the dude from Inglorious Bastards who oh, yeah, everyone him. loves yeah, yeah, yeah. because he's very charismatic. But he strangles a girl. Oh, my God, Zach. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> uh, Do you want to go first? I feel bad going uh, no, first. No, Gonsalvo goes first. I, okay, we're already not playing by the rules. I wonder if you We are playing first. by the rules. Know, just because I, we aged up Gonsalvo is still within... constantly going first. Okay. Uh, where's our scene? Oh, that's a good question. How about you set the scene since I have to go first? Let's do a scene in Guns- er, in Honore's garden. Get out of my head. That's exactly what I was thinking. Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right. So garden. Like lunchtime or immediately after breakfast? Uh, Let's do immediately after breakfast. Let's do like... Get the hell out of my head. <laughs> Get out of it. Okay. I am terribly sorry i have to play a card because i have to go first Mm -hmm. wait you know you can pass yeah but what's the point in passing so when you pass you discard a card and then you draw a new card i I know the mechanics of passing but it's the very first move i should set something up that's not the scene since we just set the scene up when you pass you get to determine details i don't want to determine details. and also you get to start us not on a seven (laughs) all right fair. nope nope you played it you put that down all right so Um, My hand can actually handle this, so we're okay. Immediately following the world's most awkward breakfast, Gonsalvo is the first to leave the table. He leaves immediately, and he goes wandering, and he finds himself. He tried to find his room, and he ended up in the garden. He's directionally insane. And the reason he ended up in the garden is because he's so in his head and terrified that he's become some rich man's trophy and that he's – that this life is not going to be any better than the life he had at the orphanage. And that charming, beautiful man is going to be his death. As he's walking around these immaculate gardens full of gorgeous flowers and a small bush maze. Maze. Bush oh. maze? Hedge maze. That's fun. Hedge maze. Oh, shit. I'm going to destroy <laughs> Last night's rain has set everything uh, as if it is as it as if it has a fine crystalline coat. It glitters in uh, the wet dew of the morning, and the smell of the flowers emanates through the air. As Gonzalo's kind of walking around, the English ivy growing up the wall catches the sunlight and the dew on its leaves 
in such a way that it looks like they are floating in midair. From this magical scene emerges Honore, flush and flustered and red in the face as he makes his way through the garden approaching Gonsalvo. And he comes up to Gonsalvo and almost breathless, he says, I am, I am so sorry. He wasn't supposed to be here. Everything will be okay. I, I promise. And pay him no mind. At that moment, Julio walks out into the garden, strolls, struts, struts out into the garden, hands in pocket, breast aloft, and in just the most terrifying way, cackles. I know cackling is not the word, but I, like laughs maniacally, or not maniacally. like Maniacal? No, like, like threateningly. I don't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like evil villain laughs. He evil villain laughs. And he looks at Honore and says, I was never that easy to get rid of, but this trash will be more than easy to get rid of. And Gonzalo shrinks within himself and begins wondering if he is some sort of like toy for these two to be playing with. Mm, Shit. So now I'm trying to figure out if you have another face card or if it's safe for me to pass and try to get a better card in my hand. I like the mechanics of this game. I'm not going to lie. I like the mechanics of this game a lot. It adds that, like, I don't know what the other person's going to do element, which, mm-hmm. we, which we talked about when we were playing Starcrossed. It has that, like, suspense. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, my options here are I can act decisively as an ore, or I can frame a cool detail and hope that I can get something that will let me do something even cooler. Mm-hmm. You can do that. But that might backfire. It might. I might just lose out on this scene. That's true. So, I'm going to say... As Nore turns from Gonsalvo's eyes to meet Julio's, that fluster and uncertainty fades away. As Nore stands tall, and I think parts slightly his dress coat to show the ivory handle of a fine pistol. Uh, as Nore puts his hands on his hips, and he says, "Julio, I could not imagine." getting rid of you the only sound that's heard are the crickets from this morning's rain and the wind rushing through the leaves of the flowers and the hedges honore takes gonsalvo uh puts his hand on gonsalvo's shoulder and says come gonsalvo let me show you the rest of the garden there's plenty to see and starts walking past Julio. The garden is even more magnificent than it first appears. Um, The further you get into the garden, the more exotic the flowers become, and the further you get into the hedge bush, the more intricate the maze. Could you give me something that, like, how does Julio react? Oh, um, Julio stands there indignant, angry at what's happened, and appears to huff off in the other direction, but still in the garden. Okay. I think we can always, no matter what our other move is, I think we can always do, we can always add details of what the threat is doing. 
if I'm understanding this correctly. They just can only act at their current level, which is three, openly hostile and may harm one character and menace all characters. But I think we can always, the threat can always do something in addition to whatever. I agree. I like describing a garden. I know. I I was just checking in because we hadn't talked about that mechanic. As the two parties part and Honoria and Gonzalo go past Julio uh, and I think approach the hedge maze, we see the camera, I think, changes focus from them in the background to a small grasshopper in the foreground that hops away. It's going to end that scene. Very good. I think in this scene, it is later and... Gonsalvo is coming, uh, I think Gonsalvo stumbles across Honore and Olivier having a conversation in the library. What do you think? Yeah, okay. (laughs) That's fine. Okay. I just, he's just going to be a nervous wreck. I was trying to move him away from that, but if he's stumbling across. Well, well then where where do you want to have seen that? I don't don't know that there is anywhere else I'd want to, I don't have an idea. I would be down to. to I'm just letting you know what my first move is going to be. It will progress from there, but my first move is going to be him being nervous because he stumbled across his, his captor or savior. He doesn't know which one yet. Captor or savior in the library talking to his man. I'm just, I'm just warning you. Don't be, don't be alarmed when he's nervous. (laughs) Well, I would like to explore more of Gonzalo's emotionality. Will, there will be more emotions as long as he doesn't keep getting threatened. <laughs> well. <laughs> so. Julio's at three, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. As Gonzalo comes into the library um, and he sees Honore talking to his manservant, he's scared to intrude and he's nervous to be in the way. So he quietly enters and quietly starts trying to back away. Honore breaks from his conversation with Olivier to turn to Gonzalo and says, uh, Gonzalo, come in. Close the door. Gonzalo tries to close the door quietly and cannot do that. Like, it, like, squeaks and makes a lot of noise and he like can't get the latch to work so that the door stays shut so moves a couple times it's very awkward his face is very red and the whole time he's thinking you know how to close the door why can't you close it why can't you close this door you know how to close a door honore walks to gonzalo um i think puts one hand on gonzalo's shoulder and the other on gonzalo's hand on the door handle and like slowly pulls the door shut with a quiet click gonzalo blushes horrifically he's trying so hard to be cool but he is blushing horrifically and in his head he switches from thinking of honore as a possible threat to him to more of a mystery with the door closed, this room smells of old books and leather. And we see in the camera dust motes uh, catching the light uh, like little stars um, as the three men stand in the center of this library. The smell of this room triggers a flood of memories for Gonzalo. And while he's looking at an ORA 
and these memories come kind of kind of flooding back to him memories of his father and memories of spending time with his father he's he looks at Honore and says i have never missed my family more than i do in this room with you and at that moment from outside the closed door footsteps are heard walking away from the door Honore looks at Gonsalvo his eyes darting across Gonsalvo's face and Honore says I understand what you're telling me Gonsalvo I can only imagine how painful it must be to see that uniform in your in this new home which is why I'm going to make sure that Julio leaves Gonsalvo just looks at Honore and he's trying to look suave and cool and unaffected but in his head he's very affected by what Honore has said he is both very angry and very relieved and just a mix of so many different emotions I think the two stare into one another's eyes for a moment Olivier kind of backs himself into one of the sitting chairs and sits facing away from the two who are staring at each other and the wind howls outside the door of the uh, of the windows and the fire cracks crackles and footsteps are heard further in the house that's the scene you suck at this <laughs> how can i suck at dealing guards where are we i don't know where do you think we are I go first, so you set the scene. I don't like that house rule. I do. Does Gonsalvo play chess? He could learn in the orphanage how to play chess. Checkers? Cards? He would have learned how to play a game. You are correct in that. I'm just, I don't know how prevalent chess was, and I don't know how status-driven chess was. Well, then this is a travesty, and I will teach you chess, Gonsalvo. I can't... No, no one can live under my right. house and not understand, not know how to play, so we're playing, chess. We're playing I, chess. I will teach you. We're playing chess. That's we're playing chess. Okay. Gonzalo feels so dumb. He has no idea how to play chess. He never learned how to play chess, and he wants to appear very cool, but he has no idea what he's doing. Your first move is always a pass. <laughs> I wonder why. Because I want to get better cards. And you're going to thank me, girl. You say that. Gonsalvo may note that in the afternoon sun that peers through the window over their chess set, Honore's long black hair seems to shine. Um, And his eyes, as he inspects the chessboard um, furiously, show a passion and a ferocity that few could match. Sounds like you're describing your character instead of the scene, but okay. I mean, it's a detail. I mean, it says not of your character, but okay. It's a detail of my character. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gonzalo is immediately enthralled by this beautiful man that's in front of him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Distracted, and his mind is racing a thousand miles a minute and a with no thoughts of chess. This game's going to be so bad. Gonsalvo is so distracted by Nori's beauty that he is shocked when Julio leans over him, almost wrapping his arms around Gonsalvo to move one of his chess pieces. 
and Julio laughs, but Honore's attention on the board is broken as he looks up furiously at Julio and says, You go too far, Julio. Leave Gonzalo alone. I'm teaching him, and you will do well to mind your place. Julio continues to laugh and takes a step forward, crosses his arms, and looks down at Gonzalo while talking to Honore, and laughs again, this time directly at Gonzalo, and says, You think you can teach him? He's unteachable. Honore smirks and looks to Gonzalo and looks to Julio and says, In ten minutes of training, I can already see that Gonzalo is going to become a much better chess player than you will ever be, Julio. But it's not your fault. You never had a mind for strategy. Gonzalo is extremely impressed and very taken with Honore. He just kind of looks at him adoringly. He is trying to be cool, but he is looking at him adoringly. So I'm going to de-escalate the threat again. No, because I think what I want to do does not fit that, so I'm going to play a different card. It's not going to de-escalate, but it is going to be more in line with what I want to do, which is Honore stands up and he runs his fingers through his long black hair as he turns to Julio and says, Julio, I think it is time that you leave my home. I gave you a place to stay for the night, and I think that that is more than enough given our history. If you won't leave, I'm afraid I'll have to make you. Gonzalo stands with Honore very shakily and definitely very obviously nervous, but he, he stands with him. And he says to Julio, Honore is a man of his word, and he is a man of honor. And for you to enter his home and to be so rude to him and his guests is disgraceful. Honori is a great man, and I am happy to be here. And he says it just like that because (laughs) he has, like, no courage and he is, like, shaking the whole time. Like, there is no – there is no weight behind what he's saying because he's so scared and nervous the whole time he's saying it. Honore reaches out and takes Gonzalo's hand and pulls him close. And I think they match eyes um, in front of Julio. And Gonzalo can see Honore's cheeks redden. And when they both look back to Julio, his face is also red, but it is not with fluster and joy. It is with fury and anger. And Honore simply smirks and says, It would be best if you went on your way. As Julio storms out of the room, there is a peaceful silence as the two stare at each other. After a few moments, they hear a car start start up in the drive and begin to rattle away. And while they know that this will not be the last time they see Julio, they know that with him gone, now they will be able to get to know one another a little better.
And that's Hawkeye's making out. There was no making out. There was no making out. It was a very... Um, very intense. It was very... Uh, this was, It was actually a pretty wholesome... This felt very K-drama to me. Yeah. <laughs> because it Aussies. was... <laughs> Aussies. There was no looking at each other and your lips literally a min- millimeter away from each other going, we're not kissing, but we're kissing. Like that would be that would be the only thing that made it completely a K drama, or like the accidental. Oh no, I tri- I tripped and fell on your lips. Now we're kissing. That happens in every K drama I've ever seen. You know what I'm very surprised by? That we could like pl- play this campaign style and play it again. Yeah, we could because which is fun. because we did such a slow burn story. Mm-hmm. I was kind of expecting. I was thinking about like I was thinking about leading up to a duel, but then it just didn't. I didn't feel like that was necessary. We yeah. just kind of did like this like slice of life where we just kind of were like, yeah. We're clearly flirting with each other and you're third wheeling. Please leave. Yeah. It was amazing. It's great. We want to say a very special thank you to Zach B, our editor, who is... The only reason that this sounds anything like a real podcast and sounds incredible or not. I don't know. That's all on Zach B, though. So thanks, Zach B. Also, happy also <laughs> happy also, wedding anniversary. And also, if it doesn't sound good, it's all his fault. Is that what you're saying? No, that's definitely our fault. <laughs> that's definitely our fault. It's his wedding anniversary. That's the gift we can give him. Oh, what? That if this sounds bad, we, we don't <laughs> It's not his him. fault. <laughs> it is. It is. It's always our fault if it sounds terrible. Yeah, sound quality is always our fault. We just wanted to say again, uh, the game we played today is called Hot Guys Making Out. It is by P.H. Lee, who published it under the name Ben Lehman. You can find it on Drive-Thru RPG, as well as, I believe, itch.io now. We also want to thank In Love With A Ghost for the use of their song Chilling At Nemo's Place off of the album Healing. You can find In Love With A Ghost at inlovewiththeghost.bandcamp.com. Please make sure that you find us, rate rate to us, rate at us, rate us. One rate of us. one of those options. Also subscribe one of those options on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really means a lot to us. It helps other people find us and it shows us that you care about us and we really need the love. It's the beginning of the school year, guys. No one likes me. I need some love. <laughs> I like you. Aw, thanks. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HeartPointsPod. Please follow us and join us for discussion about RPGs and podcasts, and make sure to share us with everyone you know, especially your RPG-loving friends. We want to give a big thank you to our patrons for allowing us to keep this show going. If you want to become a patron of the show, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash heartpointspod. You can directly support the show and help us maintain it and better it every single week while getting cool rewards like access to our patron-only Discord, a monthly campfire pod, and other things like some of Zach's games. Every dollar that you send us helps. Uh, yeah, I did send a rough draft of my game Hungry Knolls to patrons, I think, last month. And we are constantly trying to do other stuff for the Patreon. Um, every dollar makes a huge difference. It allows us to get new games. It allows us to make sure that our equipment is up to snuff. It is so incredibly helpful, even a dollar or two means the world to us. So thank you so much to all of our patrons who have supported and sponsored this episode. Thank you all again for joining us in our adventure today. 
We hope that as you return back to the real world that you continue to have a very nice day. But like, a very, very nice one.